With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Final Furlong Podcast is brought to you in association with AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate resource for racing fans. Thanks for downloading the Final Furlong Podcast. I'm Emmett Kennedy, joined by At The Races Irish pundit, Mr. Kevin Blake. Hello. As we reflect upon a fantastic weekend of flat racing we are now properly engaged into the flat and it wasn't necessarily the big flat stables that were taking away the big classics in ireland either we'll uh, obviously talk about patash a little bit later on and indeed sense of mali who looks like he could be a very exciting sprinter but it's all about the uh, irish racing first of all uh, at the curra kevin we will start with the 2000 guineas which went to a horse that you tipped for the coventry last year <laughs> Didn't quite work out that day, but it worked a charm for Shane Foley and Ken Condon this time, but Romanized. Yeah, it was great. You know, a very unexpected result for Manny, but a horse that has promised a lot and not not delivered perhaps as much as he's promised at times. But there was pieces of form in the book that you could make a case for him. And uh, looked at, I think the main key for him was really a step up to a mile. He needed to relax for it to work out, and he did. He got a well-run race to, to, to help him in that regard. And he showed a fine turn of foot. You know, if you stop the video three furlongs out, I suspect he's somewhere in the region of eight lengths behind the leader. And he's made up that ground relentlessly and surged away close home. He's he, this isn't He hasn't fallen in here, lads. He's won by two and a quarter lengths going away. And while, you know, we, we've often talked about it on the podcast that when a horse wins a big race at a big price, people's natural inclination is to not believe it uh, and not to give the horse full credit for what he's achieved but I, I suspect there's no fluke about this it was clearly a big step up in terms of form but I, I believe it you know I, I think he's he's very much come good he has promised to do something like this in the past he, he ran very well in the defeat he, he ran very well in the Coventry considering things went wrong for him and mm. um, he ran very well in the Phoenix he, he was second to Massar in, in a Solario and he and he ran very well in his seasonal reappearance. It, it's worth watching that back again because he was uh, having been quietly ridden in, in a in a steadily run race. He was winding up to run a big one, and just got absolutely stopped in his tracks, basically inside the final furlong. And I think he would have been certainly within a length of the winner there, um, if not closer. I thought he was really building momentum at the time. So it, this isn't as from as out of the blue as, as some will consider it. Um, and look, as much as we can talk about the horse, the, the human side of the story is fabulous too. You know, Ken Condon 
Um, I think I said it on ATR the other day. It's a bit of a cliche to always describe a, you know, a winning trainer or a winning jockey as a real nice guy, but what Ken is and always has been a really nice guy. And like so many trainers in Ireland, a very, very good trainer, but doesn't have big numbers. Um, I think he's got about 30 in. And quite remarkably, this was his first winner since July, since Success Days won a group race, um, uh, which is which is mad. But what a way to what a way to get yourself off the cold list, and uh, a redemption story for for Shane Foley as well, because he lost his job with Mick Halford in the not too distant past. And, yeah. You know, as Davy Russell has shown, you know, it's all about how you respond to setbacks, and Shane Foley responded well. He stuck his head down. Um, he, he rides out in, in many different places now with a, view, with a view to picking up rides all over the place. And Kay, he's been associated with Ken for a while. And, and what a way to, to bounce back and get your second classic victory. So, you know, you'd have to be delighted for the, the humans involved here as well, as, as well as giving full credit to the horse. And Ken's obviously a very talented trainer, but he's only got about 30 horses. So this really is an amazing story because... This is a group one. It's €233,000 to the winner. I mean, this is a real game changer for him and very much deserved. Oh, look, classics are so hard to win. So hard to win. You know, you've, you've got, you know, and group ones in general, you know, you've got a, a fabulous trainer in Ger Lines who, who's only ever won one group one, which, which tells a story. They're very, very hard to win in Ireland where you've got a, a behemoth of, of a setup in, in Ballydoyle and Coolmore to contend with. They're just really, really hard to win. And and Ken is now a part of that club, and he, he, he'll have that for the rest of his life. No one can ever take that away from him. But hopefully it it, it won't be his, his only one. You know. And this horse will, will bid to, to double his tally, I'm sure, at the highest level at, at Royal Ascot. That would seem the, the logical next step in the St. James's Palace. And, you know, that's not a big surprise. He's being dismissed you know, in the market already, I think he's certainly a double figure price, 12 or 14 to one, which is, you know, a, a ver- what I would consider a very dismissive price for a horse that's just bolted up mm. in the, the Irish 2000 guineas. And I, and I hope he goes and runs a, a big race there um, because I, I he, he certainly deserves to be there and he doesn't, he, he shouldn't be a double figure price. And we'll see if, if people peg on to that a little bit closer to the time. I, I can't wait to see him again. I think he's a super horse. Well, I mean, if you're asking me, do I want to back a 2000 guineas winner or without parole who with the greatest respect i was there the night in sandown when he won i would rather back romanized thanks very much i mean well without... especially especially when romanized is three times the price exactly yeah without parole is three to one for the saint james's palace stakes u.s navy flag is five he doesn't get a mile in a horse box and romanized is what 10s ah, 14s <laughs> doesn't stay a mile in a horse box uh, like, I think I think he stays. I, I think he ran a good. All right, race we'll here. talk about that further in, in a little bit. But it, Royal Ascot definitely next for Romanized. He's a big price for that. Um, we'll talk about that in in future podcasts. Would Ten Furlongs be on the agenda for him as well? Do you see him as being an Irish champion horse, for example, or the Eclipse? No, personally, not at this stage. I don't think he like he was a bit of a revelation here in terms of how well he settled, and you know, a mile would have would have been a question mark for him. Um, he's by Holy Roman Emperor, you know, and strict out of an Indian Ridge mare, strictly on pedigree, you could make a case that he, he could stay a bit further, but he just needs to settle. You know, there there is a, a, an amount of stamina on his page, to be fair, but settling has always been the key, really. And if if he can continue to settle as well as he did the other day, he'd give himself a chance of staying 10. But I think for now, you you, you stick to a mile 
until he tells you, right, I'm really ready to go 10. Uh, and it'll be the St. James's Palace for me and then, then review the situation after that. But um, he, he's a very interesting horse. If he could carry that turn of foot over 10 furlongs, you know, that that would be quite exciting, I think. Yeah, very much so. Let's deal so with the Aidan O'Brien trio. Second, third and fourth with US Navy flag, Gustav Klimt and three and four pence, who there's a lot of money for on the day. US Navy flag, I think, could be a very good sprinter given the exact tactics deployed in this race because that made him European champion juvenile. Um, I don't think he will get a mile, but you think differently. Oh, I think he stays a mile. I think he stays a mile. You know, take, and I, I hate doing it, but take Romanized out. and He's, he's beat the rest and beat them um, with authority, you know, having set... Uh, what seemed quite a solid pace, um, you know, he, he gets a mile. He get that's not to say that he couldn't prove fully effective back in sprints, mm. but I think he gets a mile. You know, I, I thought there was plenty of promise in his run in the French Guineas, and you look at his the, the arc of his form this season. He's taken a good step forward each time, and um, he's and doing look, the I, I it's know. the Roly Poly route, isn't it? Who's his full sister? Yeah, exactly. He's he's progressing, and look, I, I don't know what they'll do. Um, I had a word with Aidan afterwards about it, and he, I, I think his, you know, paraphrasing, but I think he said something along the lines, well, well you couldn't say he didn't get a mile based on that, but uh, we know he has the pace to come back if, if that's what everyone wants to do. So I'd say that you, the you, well, not, not so much that the jury's out on whether he gets a mile. I, I think he gets a mile. I think it'd be, it'd be very tough to say he doesn't get a mile, but the jury is out with regard to what direction they go because they have options because he does have that speed. Yeah. You know, so we'll just wait and see what they do. They have, they have a few horses to go around. They obviously have Sioux nation for the, for the Commonwealth cup. I don't think you'd run him in the Jersey. Um, I'm speculating out loud with, with a group one penalty. He's too good um, for that too, isn't he? Possibly, you know, Royal Ascot's Royal Ascot, but um, I, I would imagine it would be the St. James's palace or the Commonwealth. And, um, I suspect he'd go for the St. James's Palace, but look, time will tell. Mm. Time will tell. We won't, we won't play Aiden O'Brien bingo. We've had uh, enough of that. Over, well, we've had enough of that over the winter. Yeah, we've had enough of Willie Mullins bingo to uh, last, last his lifetime. It, has there been any word on St. Patrick's Day? Because he was the one who was being talked up. The uh, the former Bob Baffert horse, who's a, a full brother to um, American it'll, Pharaoh. It'll come to me. Thank you very much, Kevin Blake. American Pharaoh. Uh, but we've yet to see him. The St. James's Palace stakes was on his agenda. I'm just wondering if you're trying to play where they're going to run. I mean, they're not afraid to run a lot of their good horses against each other. This race, an example. But is there any update on him? No, no update on him. But he was he was certainly there and being ridden out um, when we were in Ballydoyle. Was it this day two weeks ago or this day a week ago? I can't quite remember. This day two weeks ago, I'd say. Um, and look, there, there was no chatter about him then, but he's certainly there. He's been ridden. Um, it, it, like you, I think realistically, if they were going to go to the St James's Palace, he would have wanted to have run by now, perhaps. So, I think it might be ambitious to, to think he could still go there. Could be mm. wrong, of course. Again, we're speculating out loud, but um, I would suspect he might have a, a slightly less lofty target just to get him going, and then perhaps move on to Group One targets after that. But re- really intriguing horse. But, you know, does need to step up a fair bit to, to be competing in that company. Do you think US Navy flag and Romanized will clash again at Royal Ascot, so? Uh, I think quite possibly so. All right. Quite possibly so. Gustav Klimt um, needed to really uh, rejuvenate and boost his reputation after that pretty disappointing performance in the 2000 Guineas. And I guess he did so here, but is this as good as he is? 
Oh, he's a hard one, Emmett. Like, I... I, I just don't know. I just don't know. I suspect he might be a little bit better than he's shown in, in his in his in his last two starts. You know, I, I just don't know. I like he, he shaped a little bit differently here. He was off the bridle quite a way out and just just stuck to it really. Um, he he is a horse that has come off the bridle that came that was notable for coming off the bridle quite early as a two year old, but. You know he should be doing it a bit better now, and that you know they, they've talked about how that they feel he has an awful lot of pace. He he hasn't really looked at now, mm. and certainly not the other day. So I don't know. You know there was talk that he could come back and trip, but for me the jury's just out a little bit with him. I I wouldn't, regardless of whether he went to the Commonwealth Cup or to the St James's Palace, I couldn't have any great confidence in him. And to be honest, and I know it's not really an Aiden thing to do, you know he's had. He's had three races in, in the space of six weeks. I would, I almost be inclined to give him a little freshen up, and and um, and bring him back. But I don't think that would be what they do. But I just got the impression with him at the car that he was just a small bit flat. And I know I, I gather Aiden in the aftermath of Newmarket was just a bit concerned that maybe running him in the trial on heavy ground three weeks before. Um, the the two thousand guineas maybe just didn't help him and might have just taken some of the spark out of him, and he's had another run three weeks now after Newmarket, so maybe he just needs a little freshen up. And again, thinking out loud, but that that would be I thought that'd be in my head if I was involved with him. It's quite interesting that because that conversation we were having a little bit on the podcast in the build up to the flat season was Aidan O'Brien, you know, raving about the fact that we now have these one mile. Sorry, these seven furlong, uh, two thousand and one thousand guineas trials, and that they would be very keen to support them. I wonder if the experience of Gustav Klimt will mean, uh oh, we might just stick to being fresh. Maybe, maybe not. I think they would. They, I think they would consider it if, by some miracle, in mid-April in Ireland, the ground was good or better. You know, I, I just think heavy ground three weeks before a classic is not ideal. Um, they're clearly they've shown many many times over the years that they're clearly capable of getting these horses ready without giving them a run, and maybe in future they might consider that that you know we don't need to give them a run on heavy ground and that that can that could potentially be more detrimental than beneficial. So that would be my thought on that. I think if the ground was a bit, a bit less testing, it, it would probably be probably remain an option for the right type of horse, but. Um, yeah, heavy ground. It's 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 a tough enough ask, I think. Now, okay, final one then about the two thousand guineas in Ireland at the Curra at three and fourpence. He's run a, a pretty decent race again as well. Is this his level? It probably is. He's run solid, to be fair to him. Um, he'd be a horse. He would be a candidate to go on his travels. I'd say um, later in the summer, perhaps. Um, and he's he's run grand. He's run grand. Um, we, we better quickly mention Eller Cam, who was. Sent off Fav and it was disappointing, wasn't he? Any reason to mention him? <sighs> well, this is, this is him, you... isn't it? This is this is him. There's no excuses now. Ah, no, I don't think this could be him. I think he, he seemed a fair way below what he did at Newmarket. For what reason, I don't really know. Um, he didn't travel uh, with, with quite the same spark. And, you know, if anything, if you watch the race in isolation, he does stick on a little bit again after looking well beat a long way out. Maybe he just wants a little bit further. Um, you know, Frankel is seeming to be an influence for stamina in the ones that settle. So maybe he could be one for 10 furlongs, but 
Um, yeah, jury's out after this now. This was this was a bit disappointing. Bitterly disappointing. I'll tell you what wasn't, though. Is there anything Jessica Harrington can't do? Gold Cup winners, <laughs> champion hurdle winners, Irish 1000 Guineas winners, a first classic for Jessica Harrington uh, with the New York also owned Alpha Centuri, a fantastic success for Colm O'Donoghue as well. This was a horse who was super exciting last season, lost her form a little bit, but back on good to firm. She was 33 to 1. Someone's had it right off. 33 to 1 the morning before the race. She's gone off 12s. And she's just got there after Dunica gave a fantastic ride to Could It Be Love, who was a million before the race. This was a great performance and, and great to see Alpha Centauri back in top form. Absolutely. Look, this time last year, we were we were all very excited about her. You know, this, this monstrous two-year-old filly that was bolting up there. She bolted up in her first two starts at Nace and we were all very excited about her for, for the Albany. And uh, she, she, look, she lost nothing in defeat there at a different league. Ran a, ran a storming race. And then after that, I think it's just a very simple case of, of ground. Mm. You know, she was, she was given a break, went to the Moiglair. Ground was soft to heavy, um, didn't perform. And then uh, she came back for her trial at Leopardstown. And again, heavy ground. She just didn't really perform. She, she shaped well for a fairway, but ultimately she was beaten 11 lengths. And just getting her back on the on a sounder surface here was a big part of this. Stepping up to a mile suited. You know, there, there's no shortage of stamina um, on that page, uh, to be fair. And, um, you know, by Master Craftsman as well. So this was just a good, tough performance. You know, she would have given Colm O'Donoghue a bit of a fright um, by edging left as she did. Um, and look, she was the only one that, that could get to Could It Be Love, who, like you say, was very enterprisingly ridden at a big price. But it was all about Alpha Centauri, all about Jessica Harrington, who, like you say, you know, is just it's just a fabulous trainer. You know, whatever whatever the job is, you know, she she's won Group Ones before. She won a Group One with with a two year old Pat Fork there. God, it might have been the bones of ten years ago, maybe at this stage. But um, she's always been well able to do the job under both codes and, and do an exceptional job. Uh, and she's she's put up a fair performance with this filly now. Um, and great to see the, the Niarcos colours carried the success in a classic. Colours with an awful lot of history. Um, great to see the new generation there as well. Um, Electra Niarcos was there to to greet the winner. Um, and yeah, just just a, a great result. Conor O'Donoghue as well. You know, he's he finished up with, with Bally Doyle relatively recently in what was a big move for him. Which a lot of people and, uh, didn't know about. Well, look, they, these guys don't tend to roar and shout about these mm. things, uh, you know, on either side of of that, of that, and um, you know, he he might have been forgiven for thinking when he made that move that maybe his his days of winning classics were over. So to get back in in the classic winner, winners enclosure here would have been a source of huge satisfaction for Callum. I'm sure he's always been a a tip top rider, and um, this would this would have been very sweet for him. I'm sure, um, and yeah, it was just one of those weekends, you know. He, uh, and to take nothing away from Bally Doyle, you know, we're, we're in many ways we're we're used to seeing Bally Doyle dominate this weekend, and you know we we had a, a small break from it a few years ago with, with Adrian Keatley and, and Shane Foley again, you know, spoiling the minding party in in the Irish One Thousand Guineas. Yeah, and you know we've had two. You know, Jessica Harrington is clearly not a small trainer, but it's it, it I think it does. Uh, it's I think it's always popular when when you get other trainers winning classics because no no one's going to begrudge Bally Doyle but that's just human nature isn't it we like to see success being spread around a bit 
And um, it was one of those weekends now that people came away, you know, the neutral observers came away with, with, a, with a good feeling about it, I think. Well, it's a curl that's still under construction as well. And we'll talk to you about that a little bit later on. But it's a new look curl and it's, you know, flat racing is all about the new generation coming through. And the fault with it is that they're gone very, very quickly. You know, they're packed off to stud so quickly. But these are very famous colors. Jessica Harrington is an incredibly famous trainer. Colm O'Donoghue is a multiple Group 1 winning rider who was always third or second fiddle at, at Ballydoyle, but still took his share of classic success. But to have Niarcos Silks in the, in the winner's enclosure for Jessica Harrington is just great. It's a, it's a great, like, it's a real throwback to the olden days of, of racing. I mean, I, I absolutely love the Niarcos horses and the, the story that goes into the, to the pedigree um of those that these these are all blue bloods they're all elite bred horses and it's nice to see as you were saying electra being there and, and that the the next generation of the Niarcos family are continuing on uh the success that had gone before but also that it's jessica harrington and ken condon with the best of respect to them that they're getting their moment in the limelight and that they're getting a classic because as you said kevin it's so hard to do, particularly in Ireland. And again, it's Aidan O'Brien in second and third. I mean, on another day, it's an Aidan O'Brien clean sweep and everyone's just going, oh yeah, it's, you know, normal business continues for Aidan O'Brien. He's going to break his own record this season. But instead, you've got these these fantastic stories. And I think that means a lot to racing fans. That's it, exactly. You know, we, you know the, the flat was always kind of renowned for that. You know, but the national hunt has gone even more so in that direction now. So I think now more than ever, you know, people appreciate the the success being spread around a little bit. And it was just a very good horse race, wasn't it? Like, could it be? Could it be? Could it be love? Had an awful lot to find in the form book, and was would you know, Donica tried something. He he tried something a bit mad, and by God, I, I thought it was going to work out for him um, until very close home. Uh, but she's second in a classic now. You know that's what I was going to say. It's probably worked out anyway because no one, not many, would have thought that she'd even finish in the frame. No, that's it exactly. You know, it was a great result for her. Happily, you know, one wonders will connections be be ruining the decision to come here rather than let her take her chance at Epsom. I was going to like ask you that. A bit, mm. There's a big difference between a mile and a mile and a half, but she again shaped as though she wants further than a mile. I know Aiden isn't convinced that she'll that she would stay a mile and a half but i think she'll certainly be seen to to better effect over 10 and you know 12 is always, is always will be a question mark for the majority of the horses going into the likes of the oaks um, and i just wonder will they be regretting um and again it's why be easy to be wise after the event she was sent out five to four and was widely expected to win here but given the way she's shaped i, I suspect they, they might regret um, not going for the oaks but it is funny though isn't it because the full brother glenn eagles was an out and out miler that's what he was and that's what they always knew he was whereas happily does indeed look as though she would benefit from stepping up and trip yeah, well, of course, the, then the other full sister, Marvellous, you know, absolutely bolted up in, in the Irish Guineas and, and went to Epsom. And she was beaten. Well, was it lack of stamina that beat her? I, I, I don't know if you could say that, but she was a beaten favourite in the Oaks. You know, so maybe, maybe they're remembering that a little bit. Mm. But look, there we go. These, you know, these are, these are high-pressure decisions to be made. And look, for me, when you weigh up these things... I know it's be easy to be wise after the event, but if you if you make a decision and you to, for to choose one target over another and you're sent off the five to four favorite, um, you know it, it's not a bad decision. Yeah. It's not a bad decision. Yeah. You know, if she'd gone for the Oaks, 
she wouldn't have been five to four. Uh, maybe she would have fared a little bit better. We'll never know. But you know, when you're making a decision that you end up being five to four, five for a classic, it, it's not a bad decision. You might not get the right results, but I don't think that's a, that could be considered a bad decision. And here's the thing: it's not like they're stuck for runners in the Oaks. Well, that's it. Yeah, they're they're going to have you know what three plus um, in the Oaks. So yeah, look, there you go. They're, they're tough decisions, but. Um, she's she's placed in the classic now. It's not the it's not the end of the world. I know she's coming in there with, with um, you know, a, a, as a multiple group one winner already. Yeah. But it's it's not the end of the world. But you, yeah, they they might just look back on it when in the fullness of time and say, oh God, she would have had a good chance in the Oaks. But anyway, the decision was made. She went they went to have Fav and um, shaped like she wanted further. That's that's pretty much it, isn't it? And with Ladidar out, Aidan O'Brien is going to have the favourite for the Oaks as well. The question is, which horse will that be? We will see on ITV. Kevin and I will be back on duty on Friday. Uh, Lancaster Bomber. This is a great story. Only his second ever win, and it comes in a Group 1 over 10 furlongs, having looked an out-and-out miler. Um, this was a real heartwarming success, I thought. Um, they would look, this wasn't a good Group 1. You know, it none never of these is, so- Kev. Oh, it it sometimes is. Uh, there's been some there's been some fine renewals of this, but uh, none of these had won a Group One coming in. Uh, tactically, like it, lo- it looked an intriguing race on paper. Like Hester Bomber has made the running um, on numerous occasions, but you you just the question was would they would they dare make the running when he was stepping up and trip? He had success days in there who who often makes the running, and Jamie Heffernan. You know who is deadly in front. It has to be said. Mm-hmm. Um, set his stall out, made the running, was a long way clear. Um, but but Jamie is, is just very good at, at conserving, and he got a breeder into him um, early in the straight, and, and try his Cliffs of Moher and and Defoe did. They, they couldn't get to him, and he 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 was going away at the finish. Yeah, it it you gives know, them so. it gives them a lot of options now, doesn't it? Because I believe the Queen Anne is still very much on the agenda for him, but. He could clearly step up and trip again if they want him to. Oh yeah, you know he's he's proven his stamina now without without any doubt at all. And you know, you could see him now going off to some ten furlong races in America, maybe mm. or, or or Canada, or, you know, even Hong Kong maybe later in the year, um, and, and potentially being very well suited by those because he clearly rattles off fast ground. He's proven his stamina now. There won't be as much emphasis on stamina. Um, around, you know, around ten furlongs around those American tracks, as, as, probably as there was here. So yeah, he's his option sheet is opened, and um, I think I did I read the Aidan O'Brien fan site say so this is maybe the eighth Group One winner by Warfront that Bandy Doyle have had, which I thought was a quirky little interesting stat. Yeah, interesting um, and piece you, of info. And you and you don't hear many people talking about Warfront's not training on anymore now, do you? Oh well, I I think now, Kevin, it's ble- very very fair to say that Air Force Blue is a clear example that they just don't train <laughs> on. How could you possibly back it? You're clueless if you're backing these horses. Only an idiot would be backing Warfronts at three. And four. Oh, oh, wait, sorry. You're saying he's by Warfront. Oh, right. Yeah, absolute nonsense, which I think was proven last year as well. Um, what did you make of the run of Defoe? You know, yeah. it got a small, it got a bit, it got a bit rough for him now. To be fair, um, in the closing stages, but bit disappointing. Now, you, look, he'll go back up and trip, and he'll be better suited by further. I'd imagine. So we don't want to write him off, but 
um, his his supporters would have been hoping for a little bit more in in what was a pretty windy Group One. Mm. So I'd say I'd ima- I can only imagine they'll they'll be back up and trip pretty lively with him. I mean, assuming uh, they came here to dodge Cracksman at Epsom, and so to come away. I know Roger Varian was saying afterwards he was humming and hawing about it on the ground, but I don't know. He's he's been well held in the end, hasn't he? Yeah, again, look, they made a decision to come here. The trip up was, was always going to be at risk of being a little bit short for him, but he's gone off 5-4-5, to four, five, you know, so um, they, they probably made the right decision. They just didn't get the right result, and and, and that's it. You know, they'll, they'll regroup, go back up and trip, and, and try to get him back on track. He's, he's a Group 2 winner. Um, you know, it'll be important to get a Group 1 into him at some stage, but he, he'll need to do better than this if he's going to do it. Speaking of making the right decision and getting the right result, there is clearly interested parties who will have been watching this race and will be sitting back and saying to themselves, fantastic, now there is unequivocal proof that we do indeed have the best horse in the world, the best mare you've ever seen! She's the greatest, the world's greatest, the fourth Cox Plate for Wixie! Stop! Get your cameras out, take a photo, and tell your grandchildren you are here today. Oh, Winksy. Oh, the tears in my eye. Winksy, what a four o'clock night. She's success days. Smashed. Obviously, Winks, best in the world. Oh, stop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah poor, old, poor old success days. He, he He's not quite the same operator on... Uh, on, on ground like this, but, he hates but, but, it. but 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 there you go. Yeah, he hates <laughs> this ground. Uh, Cliffs of Moher. What do you? How do you solve a problem like Cliffs of Moher? Look, he's run well, hasn't he? But he's just the uh, the line you used earlier. This is probably just him, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, that's probably just him. He's a, he's a, he's a Group Two horse, and um, that they'll do very well to squeeze a Group One out of. And um, perhaps a foreign trip could be on the agenda. Um, but yeah, yeah, this, you know, we, we, we've made many an excuse for him, um, you know, since the derby, but yeah, I think at some point you have to stop making excuses and just acknowledge that maybe he's just not quite as good as, um, many hoped he would be and yeah. you know, nothing wrong with being a group two horse, but, um, that might just be what he is. Uh, let's go back to Australia. So Merchant Navy, a winner of five of his eight raises in his, uh, native Australia, including, a six furlong group one contest cut off to a winning start for Aidan O'Brien. The market wasn't exactly speaking in his favor, so clearly he was going to improve for the run. Um, he looks really exciting, and he's beaten Brando, Spirit of Valor, and Tass Elite, so the form looks pretty decent. I couldn't get over this. Uh, you know, I didn't give this horse much of a chance at all now, and nothing against him whatsoever, but just the circumstances. Like, like Aidan O'Brien had talked at length about how. You know, he'd done very little work with his horse since he'd arrived and he'd very much need the run. It was very much a stepping stone to Ascot. And then you consider that, you know, he's carrying a Group 1 penalty against the likes of uh, Tazleet and Brando who are unpenalised. And, like, you look at how old this horse is, right? He's con- he's considered a four-year-old. Yeah, because, because he's... Just, just expand on that for us. Because he's Southern Hemisphere... There's yeah, different rules. Basically, yes. In the Northern Hemisphere, the, the universal birthday for, for thoroughbreds is January 1st, right? So if you're born at, on any day in, we'll say, 2014, for the sake of argument, which this horse was, um, any day in 2014 from January 1st to December 31st, 
you're considered a four-year-old, right? And so typically, you know, breeders aim to get the horses essentially as, as early in the year as they can because if you're born on January 1st, you have a significant advantage over a horse that was born on May the 1st, you know? And this horse was born on, they have a different universal birthday in in the Southern Hemisphere because obviously the seasons are reversed. And this horse was born on November 14th. So if for argument's sake, if he, he, if he was a very, very, if he was a late foal in Australia, a very late foal and was born on January 1st, 2015, and he, he would have been considered a three-year-old um, in, in this race. And look, it, it's purely hypothetical because this race was for four-year-olds and older. He wouldn't have been eligible. But if he happened to be meeting the likes of Tazlead and Brando in, in a six-furlong sprint at this time of year, he would be entitled to receive nine pounds in weight for age um, off those horses. Uh, so not only was he not receiving nine pounds, he was, he was giving them an extra three pounds in a group one penalty. So essentially, you know, for the sake of six weeks, um, he was 12 pounds wrong, basically. Amazing. <laughs> uh, so that, that was the main reason. I, I, and combined with the fact that he, he would, he, Aidan O'Brien seemed adamant that he'd need the run. You know, I didn't give him much of a chance. You know, I fully understood why he was drifting. You know, if, if he'd finished the, a good third, I would have considered that a, a wonderful trial for Ascot. So given that he's gone and won, um, you'd have to be super impressed with him. You know, it's worth watching back his, his Group 1 win in Australia. It was a, a, You'll get it on YouTube, I'm almost certain. It was a race called the Coolmore Stakes at Flemington. And he is a million to one with a furlong and a half to go a million to one i don't know exactly how many runners he passed in the final furlong and a half but it was 17. a heap of them it was a heap of them. He, fl- he flew home and got up close home and he's gone on to, to run a stormer in a, in a group one handicap um all aged group one handicap um later in the in the season in australia um ter- a very close third to, to red kirk warrior who um who i believe is going to come to ascot um, so look, his form is very good, but the fact that he could do this, um, all things considered, was just a really impressive start. You know, like on ratings, you you could you could call, you would call this the best run of his life, and he's done so with minimum work done coming into it. So I can fully understand why he's shortened up so much for the for the Diamond Jubilee. He's got some tip top horses to 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 take on, but this was some comeback now, and I, I think I gather. Roy Lascott will be the last time we see him. Yes, um, that's going to be that, it, and then off to the breeding shed. Yeah, he'll be whisked off back to Australia to, to stand down there. Um, but yeah, he, this is an exciting horse. He, this is this is an exciting horse. Um, it was a fair effort now because he, he was a little bit slowly away. He had a bit to do. And now I, I should say, and I probably should have said it from the outset, that I don't think Tazlit and Brando were at their best here for whatever reason. Um, they, they, they haven't shown their very best I don't think but Spirit of Valor is, is a very good horse he's rated 114 he may well have improved the snidge for um, for dropping in trip um, and, and yeah look, this, this was this was a fair effort um, I was quite taken by it yeah I, I don't it, think you could be anything but impressed by it he's he's a fast net rock so he loved that kind of ground if he gets it again at, at Royal Ascot I'm reminded of Star Spangled Banner who I think was third on debut for yeah. O'Brien, and then yeah. went on he to came, Ascot and came won. On massively. So you can only imagine that the Merchant Navy will improve significantly from this. And if he does, we are set for quite the race at Royal Ascot. 
Well, I suppose one thing that we do have to that we do have to consider is that you know this horse did race on March the tenth. You know, when he arrived in Paddy Doyle, he was he was race fit. Mm. So there mightn't be as much well, as much improvement as you might expect from a typical Aidan O'Brien um, season seasonal debutant. But still, I think if he can find any improvement at all. <laughs> You know, oh. he'll be he'll be you know tough to beat in at Ascot. I think I, I was impressed with this. Hundred percent. And um, the 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 offshoot for me for this race is we we've become accustomed in 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 recent uh, months for for people to shout armadillo at us at the races. Uh, before this race, I think I had I think I might have had three. Brando says go. <laughs> <laughs> Which was which was good. Thanks very much to the people who did that. <laughs> uh, I can tell you, Kevin, that at Sandown on Thursday, I had five individual Brando says goes, including <laughs> one way off in the distance, but I still heard it. So um, yeah, thanks. And for just that. just to bri- just to briefly return to that story because I had I had one or two people privately ask me about this story and kind of ask me to flesh it out just to clarify because there has been a small bit of confusion here. We were not sharing a room. No, no, that Kennedy might have been like, do might have done what he did as a bit of a joke and a bit of a laugh. No, he was one hundred percent seriously in a serious panic. It Why would one, anyone was... think it was a joke? There was nothing <laughs> funny about know. it. There were two fire <laughs> engines outside, and you're told <laughs> by a colleague, "Get the f- out of there, mate. This is a serious situation." <laughs> that wasn't a. Uh, that wasn't a. Oh, this will be hilarious. Hey, Kevin, is that your phone? It was like, get the f- out of there now. Uh... Uh, and bear in mind now, this it's a hotel. I tried to there's save rooms, your life. There's, there's rooms either side, so if anyone was left in their rooms at this stage, if anyone was of a similarly laid back nature as myself, <laughs> you can imagine the pure panic in them. They're sit, they're sitting on their bed debating whether to go or not, and all they hear is someone running past. Brandos, let's go! Brandos, let's go! <laughs> I tried to save your life, man. Oh, uh, well, he didn't really. He kept running. <laughs> I went to you. I I could have gone into the lift and gone right down. A lift in a fire right fire down. Fire Who fire wants fire to take the stairs? The into the lift, right downstairs, and stood beside Ed Chamberlain and Brando and gone, oh, no. Oh, the humanity. <laughs> Has anyone seen oh, Kevin? Stuff. No. He's not even on my room. I ran back to get you. I ran yeah. back to get you. And this is the thanks I, I get. Highly, highly <laughs> amusing. <laughs> right. Uh, Fairyland is a horse you've talked up on this podcast before. And we have benefited from two runs and two wins, Kevin Blake. Uh, this time, she took the scalp of the odds-on Van Beethoven, who was the choice of Ryan Moore. Uh, again, a fantastic ride from Shemi Heffernan. Uh, she runs in the silks of John Magner's mother, and she will be very, very exciting at Royal Ascot. Yeah, no, I was really taken with her now. You'd fall in love with her watching her walk around the crater right now. Just, just an athlete. Just an athlete, a huge walk. You know, you can see why she made the money she did. I know she's got pedigree as well, but geez, she's a she's a smashing example of a filly. And um, mentally, like, and that's that's the thing with Kodiak. You know, Kodiak w- was bopping around there for years, covering mares for for five and six and seven grand. And the one thing Kodiak always did was produce runners, horses that that knew their job at two. And would just go out and do it and win. You know, they might not be superstars, but they'd win and win races. And this filly knows her job. You know, we're in a season where Bally Doyle two-year-olds, perhaps more so than any other time, are, are needing the experience of their first and even second runs. And this filly came out first time and knew her job. 
and, and, and put them away nicely. And she came in here against big, strong Coles. And again, showed that she knows she really knows her job. She jumped out, showed speed, and um, got to the front quite easily. I, I suspect she might have been a bit idle when she got to the front and, and was ultimately well on top. She won by two and a quarter lengths. And, you know, I know maybe the, the two that she beat didn't come forward quite as much as, as uh, might have been expected. But at the same time, I was impressed with this, you know, and she's going to go for the Albany now. And you're going to probably, I think Wes Ward is going to have at least one, possibly two fillies. Excellent. You'll make and, the market. And I'm sure there'll be other fillies as well. But, um, Mark Johnson had a very impressive filly at Goodwood the other day. Yeah. And Natalie's, the one? Natalie's Joy, that's the one, yeah, Natalie's Joy. One by six lengths, nearly broke the track record. She was super impressive. I don't know, um, I didn't see any quotes afterwards, but she would seem a natural candidate for the Albany as well. Um, so the, it, it, it's shaping up to be a proper race, but, you know, Fairland, I suspect she can go forward again from this. And yeah, she, look, unless there's an absolute rocket ship in opposition from someplace else, you know, I, I struggle to see myself being with anything else other than her. I really, really like her. Yeah, unless, uh, I mean, it's worth bearing in mind, she's beaten a scat daddy and a known name never here, both who were highly touted as well on debut. So unless a, a different league is in the lineup, then really she should be winning. Uh, Hydrangea is back in action. <laughs> uh, she came up second to... McShannon's Opal Tiara, but a, a decent return, I suppose, for her for her four-year-old campaign. Yeah, look, re- look, really, really weak in the betting, really weak. Um, you know, Aidan O'Brien had made no secret about how much she needed the run. Um, physically, like she wouldn't have, she wasn't, you know, carrying a huge gut on her. But I don't think, I just think that's her. She's not, you know, she's not a, a type to carry a load of condition. And she just shaped like she needed the run. She jumped out, made the running, and just, you know, gave best, you know, relatively close home. And Opal Tiara is is a good filly. You know, she'd won a Group Two um, at Maidan. She'd won a Group Three over in England. So she brought a, a fair degree of ability into the race. She's in foal at the minute. So this might have been certainly one of the last times we see her, if not the last. They they're hopeful they might squeeze another run into her. Um, but she will retire two-time Group Group Two winner, no matter what happens from now on. And um, a fine career she's had. And this will be the one that. I'd imagine they they'll probably remember sweetest because it's it's tough to come to Ireland and beat you know the best of O'Brien and Hydrangea yeah. who's a, who's a proper filly yeah um, exactly. he, he, even if she didn't need the run um you've got to go and beat her and um you know do I'll do that stupid thing again take Opal Tiara out of the race and Hydrangea has beat the rest in good style so you know she clearly returned in, in reasonable form and Opal Tiara. Um, ultimately was well on top of her at the finish so you know fair play to, to McShannon for, for bringing her over fair play to the Philly and um, delight for Rona Whelan who you know I've always been a big fan of and it's great to see him get get a, get a group two win under her nice piece of placing from Shannon it has to be said and uh, she has been a real stalwart for the yard Lucius Tiberius shed his maiden tag to get Camelot a win for Coolmore uh, in the last race on the Sunday but in the first race on the Saturday uh, Kevin, you were very taken with the uh, success um, of of one that's probably going to go into a number of notebooks. Just wonderful. Yeah, I was impressed with her. The more I look, look back at it now, the more impressed I was. Um, Philly with an interesting pedigree. She's by Dan Silly out of Wading, who, who I'm sure you'll remember well, Kenners. Mm-hmm. She was a, a, real, a real good Philly by Montju. Yep. 
that was un- unbeaten as a juvenile for for Aiden and and never appeared again. Um, she was a big classic hope, and she just never she just never got back to the track for whatever reason. But um, this would be her most notable runner as a broodmare so far. It looks like, and um, you know, she I, I was just impressed with her. You know, I was impressed with her. She she knew her job well enough. Now she was. She jumped well, was covered up. She took a, a good enthusiastic hold. She got a, a miracle of a split on, on the on the, the far side there that Ryan Moore would have been licking his lips as soon as it opened. And, and she just picked up really well. You know, this was a strange race. They split in the two groups and, you know, just wonderful. Probably wouldn't even have seen Lethal Promise until quite late. But, you know, just wonderful has put away all the fillies on her side of the track by, you know, six lengths, I'd say. Um, she's a notably fluent mover. You know, she was a bit gray, a bit green in front. You know, I think there was an awful lot to like about this. And, you know, she could be one to, to throw into the mix for the Albany. Um, I, you know, I don't think you'd go, you'd drop her and trip. I think the Albany's probably the race for her. And, um, yeah, just another one to throw into the mix. Again, like last year's Albany was a smashing race. And it looks like this year's one uh, could be another belter. Yes, yeah, spot on. That is going to be a fascinating renewal of that race at Royal Ascot and cannot wait to be there to see it. Uh, shall we talk about English racing? I suppose we should, really. A little bit. Well, it wasn't a bad weekend. There was there was too much going on, really, wasn't there? Well, the current dominated everything, really. But to be fair, um, seeing as I did spend most of last week in Britain, then I suppose we should talk about uh, British <laughs> racing. Um, Sandown was great, I have to say. A great crack. We didn't get the weather we wanted, but um, that John Gosden horse by Frankel is a ludicrous price for the St. James's Palace Stakes. He's interesting. Without parole. Ah, come off the stage. Three to one. It's absolute <laughs> madness. Anyway. Well, look, most impo- more importantly, did you see any fist fights at Sandown? <laughs> Faction fights? <laughs> we were looking out for them. We were looking out for them, but no. Actually, no um, uh, we had a nice little area well, we had the corporate box, obviously, but uh, I did spend Gosh, I did spend look. quite a bit of time with uh, Mike Carlson, who is an absolute legend of NFL coverage and works with us at Matchbook. And um, we Ching were ching. we were downstairs um, enjoying some beverages and having the crack. It was sparkling water for me because you know what does this have to do with fighting? I was saying that uh, two of our listeners came up to us saying, "Why is it that there's no fighting in Ireland, but there is fighting in British racecourses?" And what's the difference? We're just nice people in Ireland. And that was exactly what Roy DeLarge <laughs> said. He said, sure, we're only there having a bit of crack. That's it. Um, I you hope- know, do you know what the and, and very brief point of that? Do you know what the thing is in Ireland? And I, I, I genuinely think it's a big factor in, in lack of trouble at things like this. Is lads, it's a very small country. And if you're, if you're a non-Irish person listening to this, you would never, you would never be failed to be amazed by the day-to-day things that happen as an Irish person in Ireland, where you might be in a completely different part of the country to where you live, and you might start randomly talking to someone, and there's only one degree of separation generally. Yeah. You know, someone will know someone, they'll know your mother, they'll know your father, they'll be cousins with someone you know. There's always some connection, and it, I, think that's, I think that's ever-present in many people's minds. <laughs> if you're going to go out in public and disgrace yourself by starting a fist fight, I, it's just something that a lot of people 
wouldn't even entertain just because they don't want the whole parish talking about him the next day. Yeah, exactly. You you will be on the parish newsletter the next day, so you're probably better <laughs> off to, to not... That's still a thing here, you know. We have Twitter, obviously, but the parish newsletter is still a very big thing. But um, I got to meet a lot of, of listeners to the Matchbook podcast since the final furlong, so thank you so much to everybody who came up to us and said hello. And we're asking, where's Kevin Blake? And we're also asking, where's Vanessa Ryle? Vanessa was there, uh, but she was too posh to uh, hang out with me. So there you go. Or else it was oh, the other nice. way around. I can't quite remember <laughs> which one, actually. I can't remember which was, was more important of the day. Anyway, no, uh, seriously, in, in all uh, jo- joking aside, it was a, a great night out, and uh, it was nice to meet so many listeners to both podcasts. So thanks very much for coming up to us. Uh, Sanza Mali looks a, a real, real star for Richard Fahey. He liked this horse last year when he won the gym crack, and he's got his three-year-old campaign off to the perfect start. Heavy ground in France, and now good ground over six furlongs at Haydock. He looks a right one. Yeah, he's just a proper horse, isn't he? You know, bar the the debacle of whatever went wrong in the middle park, I don't know. Yeah. But um, he obviously ran bad there. But other than that, he's been he's been brilliant. You know, and he's shown great versatility. You know, he's a good moving horse. You know, I think he, he did very well to overcome the heavy ground at Shanti because this you know fast ground is I think what he wants. Um, and look, this this is this is another feather in the cap of our old friend Conor Nan because he 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 breathes this horse. And you know, look, look, he likes to come around, breeze plenty of good horses, but just the fact that he that he picked this fella out because I think we talked about it last year. Cause he's by Panis, you know, who is not a siren that, that would that would slip off many people's tongues. You know, he's a very low profile siren. You would say a harsh man would say not a very good siren. Well, I put it to you this um, way: Kevin Blake is not queuing up to send a mare to Panis. No, I think Panis might be dead. So that, oh well, you're tough. definitely not then if that's the case. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> I think he's dead, but I could be wrong on that. Producer but, uh, G, take that bit out. <laughs> it could be a very, could be a very, a very tough date for one of the mayors. <laughs> she's just standing she's, there. She should go home to her friends talk, later on. He didn't say much. <laughs> talking to the teaser and wondering what's going on. Like what? Why? Like what? What did I do? Did I do something wrong? Did I not say something? What's the story? <laughs> like, what's his what's his problem? He just he just, he just lay down in the corner the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even get up. Very rude. Oh, Kevin, <laughs> taking it way too far, way too far. Um, oh dear. Oh. Didn't he? Oh Jesus! I just realised what I said there. But I don't. <laughs> oh dear! Yeah, he said, did you not realize what you'd said? <laughs> oh wow! Uh, oh, but I know, here, might might I add? Might I add? Having looked into it, uh, Panis, his stud fee in 2016 was 2,000, so he must have passed away. The poor thing. He he was 20. Yeah, no, normally when you see they've either they've either been sent off somewhere very very foreign, but I'd say it's uh, it's a. Uh, 18 years of age, he, he, he might have just passed. So there we go. Well, he he was standing to, in France. I, I think he might have got to 20, maybe, but but, but maybe not. I'm not, not entirely sure. But, but it, so, um, yeah, I think he, I think he might have. Well, anyway. But uh, anyway. In, that, that's in, not in, nice. In, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry to see that, if that's the case. And it turns out that um, Sands of Mali, in terms of money earned, is already his best horse. Well, he, is the be- he is his best horse. Best horse you'd ever have, you know, almost certainly. And well, obviously now. Sprinter. Well, unless there was, you know, some some two year old floating around from his last crop that turns out to be a star, mm. but um, who knows? But anyway, um, th- this was just a great horse race, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was, and I think 
you know, the second, to be fair, Invincible Army, who these two had clashed with each other last year as well, and Sansa Mali came out on top two, he's probably a very good horse as well. So this this looks exciting. Oh, yeah, well cleared a third. You know, Blake the Judge thought Invincible Army had won hitting the line, to be honest. But, Come on, Blake. Um, they're both they're both just very good sprinters, you know, they're and they're both going to go for the Commonwealth Cup, you'd imagine, where they'll meet uh, Sioux Nation and others. And maybe the two of them need to step up just a little bit now to get up to that to Sioux Nation's level. Do you I reckon? Suspect it. Do you think? I think they might just. I think they might need to step up just just a length, maybe just a length. But I I I'd favour Sioux Nation now at the minute. Okay. Um, I think he he might just have a, a length in hand of these two at the minute, perhaps. Any particular um, reason why you feel that way? I just think Sioux Nation is, is a group one winner. You know, I, I was impressed with what he did the last day. And these two um, are not group one winners. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, they're very good sprinters. Um, but I, I think they, they might just need to step up a length to, to go very close in the Commonwealth Cup. Could be totally wrong, but that's the way I look at it. Okay. So Royal Ascot on the agenda for both of those horses. And, uh, and both very exciting for their respective connections. Uh, nice to see Paul Hannigan. Uh, doing so well with Richard Fahey as well. Um, Batash. So his first run after a wind up, his first run as a four-year-old, and he only just got it done, Kevin Blake, after a sensational swooping run from the mighty Washington, D.C., who I believe in our season preview with Lydia Hislop, my quote was, huh? What's he still doing in training? <laughs> So um, uh, and and I and I believe I said now now Kennedy Washington DC is a very good horse in the right circumstances. And on the basis of that, Kevin Blake, I looked at this race and uh, on the Matchbook Betting podcast, we ended up backing Washington DC to place Boy, because oh, we were thinking, oh, for place, okay. yeah, because this. Well, first of all, we backed him to win as well. To be fair, uh, uh, and a place. So yeah, we almost got the absolute sweep. But the reason we, we were doing that was because the more we looked at it, there was just so much pace. So much pace in this race. And we thought, right, he might just be able to to get the ideal circumstances here. He's run yeah. well, but to be fair, Batash has put up... Um, I don't know if I want to say impressive. I don't think he was impressive. I think he just did it. Uh, yeah. and, and we're coming into this now with Lady Aurelia being beaten in, in the States as well. So the King stand at Royal Ascot is going to be real interesting, Kevin. Yeah, look, he gave up a Group 1 penalty. He didn't have race fitness on his side. He, he missed the kick. You know, he, he didn't make it easy for himself now. Um, you know, this this is a horse that, that that's, you know, um, that shows an awful lot of pace, has made the running before and been very impressive. So so missing the kick was not ideal. He 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 um he, he took a fair, fairly strong hold in behind. This this was just a strange race to watch because mm-hmm. Catchy and another um, took off up the far side, whereas Batash stayed right down the near side. He ended up in the middle. It was just a, a messy sort of race. I thought he probably did uh, did well enough just to win, um, because I told Washington DC you you could probably count yourself a shade unlucky because he just Wayne just had to wait for maybe two strides, um, for for a gap to open, and he's absolutely flown, you know. And if he hadn't had to wait those two strides, he probably wins. Um, but there you go. That that's that sprints. Yeah. Look, it was a good st- it was a good start back from Batash. Um, look, he's he's clearly not the world's most straightforward horse in terms of the stalls and uh, and and everything else. But 
this was it was a good start back. He won. He gave up a Group One penalty to to a, a good horse in Washington DC and, and a very good horse in, in Catchy, I think. Mm. Um, so look, he he can build on this. You know, the win up um, was played down by 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 Charlie Hills. I think he he had a bit of an issue with it with his epiglottis, um, which is if I'm not mistaken, it's kind of the little the little flap that. Um, divides will will say the tube for air and the tube for food so basically when when the horse is breeding that'll flop down so the the air can go back and when they're swallowing it flips up to allow food down so um that needs to be in good working order or you can have some obstruction there um and you had a little procedure to, to fix what, whatever the issue was there and um and yeah look he, he can build on this it, it wasn't an electric comeback, but to be fair, they set him a tough task for his comeback, so they must have thought he was pretty sharp because he, you couldn't throw him into you know, the likes of a Temple Stakes carrying a group one penalty unless you thought he was ready to rumble. So, um, yeah, look, he's still very much you know, amongst the ones to beat in the in, in the King stand. Lady Aurelia will have to bounce back, but you you bet odds on that she will bounce back at, oh, at, her, yeah. beloved, at her beloved ascot. And yeah, it's a proper race in store. I, I, I I'd be really looking forward to it now. Uh, and Batash you, is right up there. Let me ask you this. Which would you rather take? 11 to 4 Lady Aurelia, 5 to 2 Batash? <sighs> There's a bigger gap between them than that. No, is there? Are you qu- are you quoting minimum prices again, Kennedy? Uh, I may very well be, actually. Uh, I'm pretty sure you are. <laughs> Classic Kennedy. <laughs> Oh, on, you can get, get seven to two. Uh, ah, well, hold on now. Go. Hold on now. Seven to two. Well, actually, no. You can get seven to two with some fairly reputable. You can get firms. you can get three to one batash. What, what are you at, Kennedy? Um, <laughs> this is, you've lived. You've literally quoted the lowest price on two of them. What are you doing, lad? What are you doing? To be fair, I am in an extreme amount of pain. Um, no, this has nothing to do with pain. You do this all the time, pain or no pain. No, 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 no. Lies, 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 nonsense, <laughs> lies. Fake so news. We'll re- so we'll rephrase the question. Would I rather back Batasha Tree to one or Lady Aurelia at seven to two? Yeah, which one would you rather back? <sighs> um, it's tricky. Like I, I, I'll just say what my gut is saying. I probably it would probably be Lady Aurelia. Good man, Kevin Blake. Good man, Blakey. Um, just because I could, I personally, I could probably depend on her a little bit more to do what she does. Yeah, she um, burst out of the stalls and just go on her beloved Royal Ascot, and he could fall out. Yeah, and that's it. And he won't. Be, he'll. He'll do well to overcome a slow start in the king stand yeah he won't um, so he yeah, did, that, it, he did it there he's slowly away there but he's not going to get away with that in the king stand yeah look to be fair generally he's well away but he does have he does have little issues there and mm. you don't really like to have little issues like that hanging over your head uh, coming into a, what is a properly competitive group one uh, a quick line on magic circle did you get to see him at Tenda? he was impressive wasn't he he has bolted up yeah, it doesn't look doesn't look a bad bet in the Chester Cup now with the, with the glorious benefit of hindsight. <laughs> can we go back? Can we get as much on as possible? Can we? Um, yeah, fair, fair play, Dean Williams. I'll, I'll sing his praises again, having having sung them in the aftermath of Chester, uh, because he has pulled an amount of improvement out of this horse. This is taken a him. fair old amount of improvement he's taken from uh, from Rafe Beckett. And Rafe Beckett's not no joke. Like, yeah, he's, he's a great trainer. trainer. <laughs> 
really good <laughs> trainer. Know, so the, this he's he's managed to improve a six-year-old gelding by you could you could call it a stone. It must be. You know, maybe not, maybe not quite, but it's not far off. Uh, it's not far off, Kev. Um, that's fair go. That is fair dues. And um, while I don't think they're going to go for the Ascot Gold Cup, I think the the focus now is very much Melbourne. Um, well, that's the right and, decision, isn't it? Because two miles is very much up his street. You could bottom him in the in the Ascot Gold Cup, and you can always go for that race next year. Whereas the Melbourne Gold Cup, sorry, the Melbourne Cup, I should say the Melbourne Gold Cup. Um, the Aussies will be onto me now straight away, um, hounding me on, on Twitter, trolling me away. Um, they, they love a bit of that. They do. The Aussies <laughs> do love a bit of trolling. That's two two bits of trolling. Getting their, their best race wrong and once again slamming their greatest ever race mare. How dare we? Um, but it, it'll be quite the journey for, for uh, Dr. Marwan. Uh, for Fran Berry and for Ian Williams to head back to, down under with Magic Circle and, and, and go for it because he's always promised to be a good horse but now he just really seems to be finally there. He's taken off for whatever reason um, and, and look, fair play to all involved and he'll have the, he'll certainly get into the Melbourne Cup now. He'll have the right type of rating and um, and yeah, sure, look, if, if I had him I'd probably be doing the same thing because there, there's um, the Melbourne Cup is, is something else, and look, it's it's exceptionally hard to win. But when you have one, um, and look, they've they've pretty much got a free shot at it. They they bought this horse for seventy grand in November. That that is nothing. It, honest to God, if you knew the numbers that are being paid all around it's Europe insane. for heart, for potential Melbourne Cup horses, it is one of the hottest markets in all of racing, and they pick up what will be a genuine contender. For seventy grand, and they've already won, uh, won ninety-two and forty. That's it. They've they've got they've, they've got a free shot. They've got a free shot. So good luck to them. Yeah. Kick on. They've done it. They, it was a great piece of uh, of buying a great and a great piece of training. So kick on, lads. Fair play. And a quick word on the matchbook brigadier Gerard Stakes Poets Word winning. Like Poets Word is a horse. Like he, I, I've always liked him. And I've always been a small bit perplexed with why they, they they persist with with ten furlongs. I think twelve is his trip. Yeah, I'd agree. He, with he that. ran very he ran very well over twelve out in Maidan. But look, he's dropped the ten here, and he's he's won with a with a great degree of authority, as his form entitled him to. And look, he's clearly effective over ten, but I, I think he might be at his at his optimum over a mile and a half. You know, I'm not changing that opinion just yet. Um, and yeah, just a good solid performance, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, he, he did he did what he was entitled to do and did it in good style. Yeah, I think Vintage Brute is going to be a horse to keep an eye on. Um, he won the National Stakes, which is very much a trial for Royal Ascot. Uh, the thing that was interesting was that Tim Easterby was coming down south, so that was kind of giving it away. And um, he looks quite good. Although I did meet two Final Forlorn podcast listeners at Sandown on my way to the corporate box, and they told me uh, we're regulars here. Just back trap one. Just get stuck <laughs> into trap one. And it turns out they were right. Trap one goes to wins. Go. So, Give um, it simple, lads. Fair play, lads. Easy game. Fair play. They were <laughs> tweeting me afterwards to say, hope you took the homegrown advice. Keep it simple. Um, am I completely being very wrong about without parole or, or very harsh on him? I liked Gabar's performance, and I think he could be very interesting in a handicap at Royal Ascot that I think we know Sir Michael Stout does quite well in. I think he'll suddenly be very, very interesting. Oh, actually, no, he won't be. He's going to have a terrible rating after that fifth place finish in the Racing Bus Trophy. Delete that, uh, Producer D. 
What do you mean you're not deleting things in this podcast? Oh no, that's terrible. Um, <laughs> so yeah, ignore that nonsense again. I'm in incredible pain. Um, am, am I being harsh on Without Parole or am I just thinking that he's the price he is for Royal Ascot based on his dad and his trainer? Um, no, like he, like he was very impressive on his comeback, to be fair, at the Armas. Um, and look, there, there was a fair degree of kind of hype and expectation following him because of that. And he's, look, he's gone and won. This was the best race he's contested by a margin, and, and he's won. He wouldn't have taken your eye out, but it was another step forward. And look, he's ultimately an inexperienced horse. He, I'm sure he'll come on from this again. And I, I wouldn't want to be knocking him. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be putting him in fab for the St. James's Palace now or, or anything like it. But um, I think he's a, he's a fair horse and he's probably going to get even better. So I don't want to be knocking him, but I don't want to be putting a crown on his head just yet either. Kevin, is the fact that he's favourite for the St. James's Palace Stakes indicative of the fact that the three-year-old milers don't really do a whole lot to set you alight? No, that's a factual fact, I'd say. Yeah, um, they don't look a super crop. And we, you know... They, they, you know, you get the likes of Romanized, who I think is a right good horse, but he's not going to set many people alight, hmm. um, given the, the surprise nature of of his victory at the Curra. Um, so look, it, it is what it is. We'll hope that we get to Royal Ascot and, and something absolutely bolts up in it, whatever it may be. Um, so we have a, a star to hang our hat on in that division, because like you say, right now, it's, it's all a bit windy looking. Yeah, yeah, just doesn't sell me. Does the Curra sell you? Are you are you sold on the Curra? What did you make of it? This is your first time getting to be there since the renovations. You you were on holidays when it first opened up, so you're there for the classic weekend without the races. What did you think? Yeah, look, it was it was a big shock now because, like I say, I hadn't been there since last year, and sure, look, I've been going to the Curra as long as I've been going racing, and I, I, I was fond of the place for all that. It was a ramshackle state of a place that was falling down. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us but, what you really think. Well, I think that's that's a factual fact. That is a factual fact. To quote a great um, man, a factual fact, a ramshackle state of a place. It it need it did need to be knocked down, but it was just a shock. Now I kind of kind of walked in. I didn't know where I was going because I hadn't been there before, um, essentially. And God, there's just you know the the whole thing has been raised. So you know it just it took me a little while to find my bearings. Like you know what what. I didn't know where where to go. I didn't know where the ATR position was, so I was wandering around like a lost child for a while. But look, it's quite it's quite impressive. It's quite impressive. It's not there yet, clearly. Um, but you know, a massive improvement from from what was a pretty low bar set from last year. Mm. Um, but look, it, it's nice. The parade ring is nice. I would have, you know, personally, I would have liked if they if they sunk it a little bit. Um, as as many new parade rings around the world, that's the way they tend to do it, just to give a better viewing experience to the people outside the parade ring. Um, I think if, if we're ever in a situation where there's massive crowds there that want to be heaving around the parade ring, it, it might not be the best viewing experience for them, um, just because you know you need a bit of banking there to, to for people to get a look that aren't at the very front. Yeah, and um, that would be that'd be one small criticism. Um, I wasn't there as a member of the public now, so I wasn't uh, getting stuck into the catering facilities or anything like that. So I'm but, not perhaps. But producer the, the... D was. So what did she think? She was. The, uh, she, she wasn't. She wasn't blown away by the catering options there. Now I have to say, I have to be honest. Um, she was there with a few friends of hers, and it took them a little while to get something to eat, and service was a bit slow and all that. But 
you know, no one was going to expect it to be perfect. I think it's fair to say. Um, I wasn't out in front of the stands, but um, a lot of feedback I was getting was that the viewing still isn't good at all um, from the stands. But look, that that is what it is. That was always going to be the case until the, the, the proper stand is built. And look, like essentially what my view was last year, we're, we're in a better place this year. It's not perfect, but uh, look, I think the, the destination will, will very much be worth the journey. Um, it's going to be it's going to be a fabulous track, you know. You can see the stand growing up from from the ground now. You I, you know I look back at the plans and what it's all going to look like when it all comes together, and it is going to be a fabulous race track. Um, and while people can understandably be annoyed that that we that these races weren't being run at Leopardstown or Nace or someplace else while the construction was taking place, you know I think I can understand the horseman's point of view. You know, they all came away from from Saturday and Sunday, especially Saturday. You know, absolutely being being so complimentary about the ground. You know, it was described by by a number of top professionals as being perfect, flat racing ground, and ultimately, that that's very important. You yeah. know, the car is a very fair track, and the ground was in marvelous shape. You know, we've seen at, at Paris Longchamp, you know, that there can be unforeseen circumstances in, in not racing on a track for, for a while while construction goes on. They're having trouble with their surface. Sacre bleu. And, and, and that is not good, you know, for a classic racetrack that, you know, while customer experience and everything is obviously hugely important, ultimately racing will always be about the horses and mm. the surface has to be right. And um, on, on that front, there there's, that that is, probably the ultimate justification for keeping the racing at largely at the Curra because they it's a fair track and the ground is is generally very very good it's a fair track and when it's all complete it is going to be worth the wait it'll be fabulous it'll be like i, I would still have concerns that they may struggle as the Curra has for for decades to get a real big crowd in on a consistent basis but once it's complete um, there would be no excuses on the facility front that was always the thing for many years Sure, look, who could, who could you bring to the car? The place has fallen down. It'll be a real showcase venue, a venue. It'll be, it'll, it'll essentially be our equivalent of Ascot, you yeah. know, a place that if you're bringing someone racing in Ireland and you want to show them the best of the best in terms of um, a, a facility to, to showcase racing, you know, it, it'll be the car. You know, Leopard Sound's a fabulous track and they're putting a lot of investment in to make it even better. But I think it's fair to say the car will be the, the, the show pony of Irish racing, if you will, in terms of a, of a race course. Well, the Curra is the home of the classics, so it needs to be an elite track, and uh, it looks as though it is well en route to being so. Is it true, Kevin? Can you confirm the rumours that it will now be called Kildare Curra? Oh, Jesus, imagine. <laughs> or, sorry, <laughs> sorry, I'm just, you... there's a message here from D coming through from the studio saying it's actually going to be called Kildare Village Curra. but i'll tell you just before we wrap up as well um and it's been said in many places but i just repeated wasn't it fantastic to see pat smolin at the races oh brilliant um and looking looking, so well looking really for a fella that's been you know stuck into chemotherapy for for i don't know two months now something like that uh it's 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 great to see him looking so well you know talking you know, talking as positively and, and as normal as could be, you, you know, you really would know that, that there was an issue. And never mind something as serious as pancreatic cancer, you know. Yeah. So it's just fantastic to see him up and about. He's an absolute hero of a man. 
and um, he'll keep fighting the good fight and if anyone's going to get the better of it peace modern will and from Davy Russell saying this one's for Pat at Cheltenham to the love and affection that's been shown to him on social media he's one of the most popular men in racing on both sides of the RFC and um, a fantastic site at the races that was the best site and you put things in perspective that's what oh, it's yeah. all about. It's fantastic. Um, Absolutely fantastic. Fantastic sight. Uh, we're back on Wednesday when we preview Epsom. So Kevin and I are over for ITV on Friday and Saturday. So we'll, we'll get the podcast out for you early. Um, we'll be taking a look at the Coronation Cup, the Oaks, and the Derby. And, Derby. Uh, the Derby. And I cannot wait because it looks as though it's going to be a great weekend, Kev. I'm just reading a piece here now. So the ground right now, we won't go into detail on it now, we'll wait till Wednesday, but the ground right now is good to soft, good in places. Um, sorry, I tell a lie, it's been revised to good, good to soft in places, but they might, they're expecting a little bit of rain, there's a bit of rain knocking about, all what? the way up until Friday, there's potential for rain. What? Um, so we might not be getting a typical uh, good to firm Oaks and Derby, which would be interesting. What's all this about rain? I've had yeah. enough of rain. No. Yeah, there's beautiful sunshine in Ireland. Where where's the sunshine? Well, I think they have beautiful sunshine in England as well, but I think there's some thundery showers knocking about as well. Oh, there was some thunder and lightning storm here the other night, Kev. Fork lightning. Oh, stop! Stayed up till four in the morning watching it. Some sight. Fork lightning, as opposed to that non-fork lightning you see all the time. My, Sorry, uh, couldn't resist. <laughs> my, my cat at one stage decided he wanted to go out and, and uh, just be out there and show himself off to be a real big fella and, and uh, be strolling around as, as the sky lights up. And I was taking a photograph of it and about five minutes later I came running back in. I was like, no, enough of this. Yeah, <laughs> they, 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 do not, they do not like that crap. No, <laughs> no way. Uh, right, that's it from Kevin Blake. Good luck. And for me, Evans Kennedy, thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. We will see you uh, with our next podcast on Wednesday for At The Races. And we'll see you on the telly Friday and Saturday with ITV. Talk to you then. God bless. Have you downloaded the free At The Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, Visit attheraces.com forward slash app for more details.